This morning's gospel lesson comes from Luke 13, chapter 10, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. If you'll hear these good words. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we open up the words that you have given us this morning and pray that they would jump into our hearts, that we might be able to reflect on them. Help them become real in our lives. All these things we pray. Amen. Good decisions. That's funny, Tina. (laughs) And it really is a softball, like a home run pitch, because when I need to make a decision, my natural inclination is to stew on the topic for a bit. I try to think about the different options and then the implications that making a decision one over the other has on the outcome. Snap decisions are uncomfortable for me because I'd rather spend the appropriate amount of time getting it right the first time. I'm always envious of those that can make snap decisions and it turn out wonderful for them. Not so for me. And because of that, because I like to take my time, I've missed out on some great opportunities. It's easy for me to take so long to make a decision that the decision itself becomes irrelevant. It's simply just too late to do any good. For example, at a previous church, I wanted to start an underground worship service. And by underground, I mean the type of worship services that the ancient Christians had to endure, the the persecuted church, as as opposed to being persecuted, they would go underground into the catacombs, and there they would worship God wholeheartedly. And to do that, they would place symbols around the city, Rome specifically, that were blatantly Christian, a fish, the ichthus fish, they would that we'd put that on the wall and and the Christians around Rome would know that they were meeting somewhere, or a chalice and and a a plate, um, clearly identifying this place as Christian, and they would go underground and worship. I wanted to recreate this at a church that I was serving, and I wanted to go into the basement. There would be no electricity, no power, uh, 
words only, uh, candles to light the place. I wanted to mimic an authentic persecuted Christian worship experience. And it was going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. I spent so long thinking about how to execute it that I ended up in the Navy before I could pull it off. (laughs) It takes a long time to get in the Navy, folks. (laughs) I always thought I needed just one more day to get all the variables figured out, and then it would be a really great final worship product a worship service that mimicked the early persecuted Christian church and that was second to none at giving God glory and connecting worshipers to the love of Jesus Christ. If only I could think of all the variables and logistics, the service would be so good that people would be clamoring over each other to get in. There was no clamoring at all because it never happened. Not one single aspect of this worship experience came to fruition. And so I ask you, what was one more day going to hurt? I think the leaders in the synagogue would have embraced my one more day mentality as they squared off with Jesus in the synagogue. Based on this encounter with Jesus and the afflicted woman he healed in the synagogue on the Sabbath, waiting one more day was ideal. In fact, it was the law. Exodus 29 through 11 says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The Sabbath was for resting and resting only. Doing any kind of work of which healing was classified was forbidden on the Sabbath. However, Sabbath law not only allowed for but required the care of dependent animals every single day. Legally, the Jews could take care of their animals on the Sabbath, but healing people was out of the question. But if we stop and think about this particular scenario for a minute, I think we can better understand the Jewish leaders' consternation with all that had happened. From their perspective, they have the law, God's very own instruction telling them that nothing, nothing whatsoever will get done on the Sabbath. There's that. But there's also the fact that the woman had already been suffering for 18 long years. Would it have been unreasonable for Jesus to wait just one more day? Would it have been too much to ask to hold off for maybe probably less than 24 hours? In the grand scheme of things, what's one more day? 
there are two parts of this story for us to consider and then think about how that informs our own lives. First, I wonder what your feelings were with respect to the religious leaders. How did you feel about them reprimanding Jesus for healing the afflicted woman? Were you upset with them? Were you happy that Jesus challenged them? Did their argument have some merit? Why is it important for us to think about the leaders? It's important because it's really a warning about the institution of the church. Sometimes we run into folks that are more interested in loving the church system, the way we actually do church, and less interested in loving the people that make it up. Sometimes the church system folks forget that the suffering, afflicted, broken people have gifts that can build each other up, that can build the church up, that can build the kingdom up in fresh, unique, and powerful ways. And what they end up doing is stifling those people, stifling the Holy Spirit that is working through them. The second part of this story is the act of healing. Jesus knew that what he was going to do would rile the religious authorities up, and at this point, they must have been itching to catch him in the act of going against the law. If they could catch him, prosecute him, exact judgment, and finally get rid of him, they would be happy. Healing the woman in the synagogue and on the Sabbath in front of his critics tells us that Jesus was willing to consider the law and abide by it in a fresh, unique, and powerful way. Jesus wanted more than anything to get rid of the suffering for this woman, and the sooner the better. There was no need to wait around until a later date or a better time because the best time was right then and right there. Jesus' pointed reinterpretation and demonstration of an alternative understanding of the law speaks to the joy and excitement of being set free to do exactly what we're supposed to do on the Sabbath. On the day consecrated by God to be holy and divine, on that day we should praise God for God's blessings in our lives and do so wholly, to do so completely, to do so with 100% of our heart. Is not being healed, set free from affliction, on the Sabbath, a great way to remind us of God's glory and grace and power and mercy and love? For us, what is keeping us bent over? What's keeping us from being free to worship God, free to walk upright, free to be the person that God has masterfully crafted us to be in this place and within this community? I think we all have something that's holding us back. Fear, anxiety, money, self-esteem, family members, careers, an illness, peer pressure, social pressure, the list could go on and on. The bent over woman in Luke is an image 
with which we all can identify. And whatever the affliction, it's prevented us from fully, wholeheartedly worshiping and praising God. Perhaps it's even kept Jesus at arm's length. Maybe it's even stopped you from creating a really fantastic ministry that would change people's lives. Today, right now, think about how the bent-over woman must have felt on that day. Could you imagine being relieved of the affliction that had not only defined, but has, had confined her for so long? If you've been bent over, can you think about the possibility of not being bent over? What would you do, what would you be doing right now if you could be set free of whatever it is that's keeping you from celebrating God's mercy and grace and love in your life? I think, I think Luke is giving us permission to think about shaking off the chains that have weighed us down, to think about standing up tall and shirking off all of the naysayers and really doing what God has asked us to do. And that's to love God and to love those who are around us. If you could, if you would, what would your, what would your new, unique, and powerful way look like? Church, God has created you for something incredible. Through the Holy Spirit, you have been equipped. Every single one of you has been equipped to fill a purpose that others cannot fill and to love others the way only you can love them. My prayer for you today will be that you let Jesus set you free from that thing that keeps your spirit at bay and that you will accept the challenge of being who God wants you to be in this place, at this time, and with God's people. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, help us accept the challenge that you have placed before us. Help us figure out a way to be fresh and new and exciting and unique and powerful as we engage those around us and invite them into a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. God, we know the benefits of that relationship and help us share that good news. Help us fill this place, this sanctuary, so that more and more people can worship you, O oh Lord. All these things we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.